putting me, if only briefly, on the same page with the suits. This harmonic convergence usually doesn't last long. This one, though, makes me lose that much-hyped journalistic objectivity. It pisses me off. They had already removed the body by the time I got here. I am able to persuade Gillespie, one of the few cops who actually speak to me these days, to tell me what he knows. He says the girl didn't look like she was any more than fourteen or fifteen. He said that, when they unzipped the bag so they could see something other than the top of her head, they saw that she had been strangled. Gillespie said he wasn't sure, but that it looked like she'd been messed with. It's almost charming to hear the fat, sweating Gillespie pull his punches. He means she probably was raped. Why not? The other three were. Multiple times and in various orifices. All the animals around here aren't in the Maymont Park Zoo. Her hair was all dirty and matted, he says. She couldn't have weighed more than ninety pounds. Probably hadn't eaten in a week. Having been a sort of underdog myself, I really hate this shit. Growing up on the hill, you had bullies who terrorized anybody or anything smaller or weaker than they were. I probably got in more fights butting into other people's problems along those lines than I did trying to take care of my own self. Plus, I think about Andy, who ran away a couple of times when she was playing troubled teen before I did much to honor the title of father. That could have been her lying on a couch in a waiting room at Main Street Station, waiting half a day or so for somebody to know she's dead. When they catch that son of a bitch, Gillespie says... I hope they'll let me come watch when they pull the switch. Actually, they use lethal injection now, I remind my fat, flat-footed friend, but I'd like to be there with you. We're standing in a corner of the huge station. There's nobody here except a dozen or so cops and me, although the TV station soon will come baying like deranged beagles. The only thing that keeps print journalists from shame sometimes is the knowledge that, no matter how mindlessly we might exploit other people's suffering, TV will not be outdone. Right after the second body turned up, one of the local stations started dubbing the killer the Vampire Slayer. Its lack of originality was topped only by its inaccuracy. The first girl lost a lot of blood, but there was never any sign that Dracula had been reincarnated in Richmond. One of the other stations did what they called a reenactment of the murder supposedly to show young women how to fend off psychopaths. In the reenactment, the victim wins. If only. Chief Jones arrives with great flourish. I swear to God, he now has his own bodyguard, at city expense. Supposedly he heard that the mayor had a full staff of goons to protect him from the taxpayers and thought he ought to have at least one. And people wonder why city taxes are so high. I'm not officially, or unofficially, supposed to be here. Gillespie didn't want to let me in, but I persuaded him to relent, pointing out that my next epistle to the readers won't hit the streets for about twenty hours. The chief is not of such a charitable nature. He's probably feeling some warmth on his backside as the fourth victim takes a place at the city morgue. The chief is pretty insistent that I leave, making his feelings known in a voice that makes me glad I don't have a hangover. Chill, L.D., I tell him. I'm not even on the clock. Just a concerned citizen. By using his first name, 
instead of eliciting some bonhomie from the long-ago days when we would have a beer or two or shoot some hoops, just seems to make it madder. Most of the recent history Larry Doby Jones and I share might not give the chief a warm, fuzzy feeling. He's been known to ride a bad arrest all the way to the bottom. I've been known to point this out in our newspaper. I'm afraid there is a chill in our relationship. He has another cop escort me from the station as the bodyguard glowers. I look back to see him searing Gillespie's pink ears. My name, I fear, is being taken in vain. Back at the paper, I stop by Sally's desk and thank her for thinking of me. She grunts her acknowledgement. Nothing much is happening yet in the newsroom. It's so quiet, I have trouble concentrating. Even in the late afternoon, with deadlines approaching, things are a lot quieter than they used to be. The surviving reporters and editors occupy only a fraction of what once was a humming...